like that. You what is up, one and all, and welcome to this Wednesday edition of the Logan Blackman Show here on the Logan Blackman Show podcast. I hope you are ready for an exciting episode, and I would like to say this before we really get going on today's episode. I would like to apologize, okay? Because I know on Monday's show, we talked about possibly having ready the top however many players from each position for each prospect, the prospect rankings, the draft expert prospect rankings for the 2022 NFL draft. Well, drum roll, please. They don't exist. Yeah. Well, no, they exist. I just, I, there's so many good players in this draft class. And there's a few position groups that I'm struggling with, namely ranking the running backs, the tight ends, and the edge rushers, because those positions are deep. The edge rushers are extremely deep. The running backs are extremely deep. And the running backs, there's just so many different style of running backs. It's basically just, I mean, this is how everything, every single prospect rankings list or every single rankings list goes, regardless of what you're actually ranking. But man, there's a lot of good traits and a lot of running backs. This is an insanely deep running back class that is not really getting talked about because there's not really that one or two players, one or two players that really stands out in this draft class. To me, I think there are, I think Kenneth Walker and Brees Hall are the two guys that you look at and go, these guys are absolute studs. These are going to be the first two running backs off the board. But then you got other running backs in the same cat, like not same category, but in the realm of very good, like Isaiah Spiller, James Cook, Rashad White, players like that. Pierre Strong Jr. from South Dakota State put up massive, massive numbers for South Dakota State Jackrabbits. Damian Pierce, Devontae Price, from Florida International, who never put up great numbers while at Florida International, but has the uh, the skill set, the size, athletic ability that teams are going to be looking for. Similarly to that of James Cook, who didn't really get a, put up uh, monster numbers that we saw the likes of Brees Hall and Kenneth Walker put up in their last years at Iowa State and, uh, and Michigan State, respectively. James Cook, I don't even know what his career high in rushing yards is. I don't think it's over 700 yards. If it is, it's like... 750 or something. Hold on, let's check this out. Okay, 728 is his max number of yards rushing. 728, and he got that in 2021. Had seven touchdowns on the ground as well, but very fun in the receiving game as well. 284 yards receiving, four touchdowns through there as well. Bigger back for a guy that can catch the ball to backfield, 5'11", 190 pounds. Not a small back by any stretch of the imagination. There's some good running backs, and some ones that you could get really late in this draft as well. Like Tyrion Davis-Price from LSU. Maybe you want to go Abram Smith from Baylor. Sincere McCormick from UTSA, University of Texas San Antonio, for those of you who aren't aware. Zonovan Knight. I think his name's Bam. I think he go, his nickname's Bam Knight. I could be wrong about that, but I feel like I've seen that somewhere. CJ Verdell. Kennedy Brooks put up really good numbers during his time in Oklahoma, apart from last year because he sat out due to COVID. Like Tyler Goodson's another good running back. Like there, this running back class is deep. And then tight ends class... There's not, unlike the running backs, similarly and dissimilarly to the running back position, there is a top guy, like running backs, Brees Hall, tight ends, Trey McBride, but unlike the running back class, there is a chance, though maybe not the, on the wrong side of 50%, like we're talking about probably 35% chance a running back gets selected in the first round and 95% chance that running back that does get selected in the first round is Brees Hall, tight ends there is about a 2% chance a tight end gets selected in the first round. A 2% chance, because again, we talked about this a little bit ago. If you look at some of the teams in the first round, the only teams that really need tight ends, and this doesn't even like really need tight end, they could use a tight end, are teams later in the draft, the Packers 
and the Titans are two teams that come to mind instantly when you think of teams, oh, this team could definitely use a tight end. They don't need to do that in the first round. They, they have other pressing needs. Now, could I see the Packers? Honestly, could I see them taking a tight end? Yes, I could. But I don't think it's very likely. And speaking of likely, Isaiah likely, if we're talking about athletic ceilings from the tight end position, he's probably got the highest out of all of them. Him and Jelani Woods are up there as regards to the two most athletic, two of the most athletic tight ends. I don't want to pigeonhole them just as the only two athletic tight ends, but two of the most athletically gifted tight ends. But there might not even be one going the third round or second round. So we might have to wait all the way to the third round to see the tight end start falling off the board. But, you know, as you've, as I've been assuming most of you have, like, if you've done a fantasy football draft, now most people out there who do fantasy football draft quarterbacks later. You get running backs and wide receivers, your early picks. And then you might want to look at tight ends because there's not a lot of tight ends in fantasy football that get you a lot of points. There's a few of them, like Travis Kelsey, obviously, George Kittle, Mark Andrews, Kyle Pitts, Dallas Goddard. Like, these guys, you're going to get them a little later, but some people like to wait till the end. But once you see... That first tight end off the board, or that first quarterback off the board, when Josh Allen or Mahomes or Lamar Jackson or Herbert goes off the board, that starts a chain of events where it goes, oh, we should all just start drafting quarterbacks now. Now, different scenario because it's fantasy football. It's not real. It's got fantasy in the name. So I'm not saying that someone drafts Trey McBride in the second round and then everybody will start going, oh, we should start looking for a tight end right now. It could happen because I'm assuming that's what's going to happen in the first round with wide receivers, but... Tight end-wise, I don't know. But there's there's some good tight ends in this draft. A deep tight end class, deep running back class. And the edge rushers, it's the deepest out of all the classes in the draft. Out of the, I'd love this edge rushing class. The edge rushing wide receiver class are the two best position groups in the entire draft. In my opinion, I could be very wrong about that. Maybe the, tight, the wide receivers and edge rushers end up sucking when it's all said and done. But man, just at face value right now, as we sit here on March 12th, March or April 12th, April 13th for you guys, Edge rushers and wide receivers look very, very solid. And if your team does not get one in the first round, because there's a chance, I was listening, I was watching something on Good Morning Football a few days, it might have been yesterday, where Peter Schrager's talking about the top five guys, top five receivers in the draft, according to most people, and this is my order as well, Wilson, London, Alave, Williams, and Traylon Burks. Williams would be number one if he didn't have a torn ACL. Easily be number one. Uh, there's no player in this draft with his size, athletic ability in this draft. And I like I like the other receivers in this draft, but Jamison Williams is a different breed from that position. And he could go a little bit higher despite having a torn ACL because it seems like his rehab is going fairly decent at this point in time. Now, obviously, knock on wood, that could be subject to change. Hopefully it doesn't because I really like Jamison Williams. But if he fell all the way to 25 to Buffalo, I would not be sad if he you know got taken by the Bills. But there's a chance, listening to what Peter Schrager said, that the wide receivers, the top five guys, are all gone. And this could happen beforehand, but by pick 22, which is the Green Bay Packers' first first-round pick, thanks to the Las Vegas Raiders for the Devontae Adams trade. And there's teams that are up there higher in the draft as well that could use wide receivers. We talk about the Falcons. We talk about the Jets, the Washington Commanders, who are in a, a heap of trouble right now that we're not going to really get into today because uh, I want to keep things light Today and um, I, let's just say this: I don't think anybody is surprised about what is being what is going on with the Washington Commanders and their organization. Because uh, if you followed the NFL for more than say like a year, you know that Daniel Snyder, the owner of the Washington Commanders, is one of the most morally corrupt people, not just in the sport of football, but in just the world in general. 
And it's funny, my dad and I were talking about this today, we were listening to the Pat McAfee show, so I guess we are going to talk about it a little bit. Daniel Snyder has done a lot of bad things as the owner of the Washington Commanders. Then Redskins, then football team, now Commanders. He bought the team back in, I think, 1999 or something like that. And remember when we, when we were going through the first wave of COVID back in 2020, we did the, the series called Top 5 Dumbest, where you looked at the top five things each organization had done throughout their history in the NFL. The Washington Commanders were one of the teams that we talked about. And the number one thing that they did was the dumbest thing they've ever done is allow Daniel Snyder to buy the team. And that goes to the owners of the NFL as well, the other owners around the league, because they had to vote on it. And Daniel Snyder got approved to buy the Washington Commanders, then Redskins, and now the Redskins and Commanders, football team, whatever you want to call them, since he bought them, like, okay, but this is like, you could go like BC, like before Christ and after Christ. You can do that. Before Daniel Snyder, after Daniel Snyder. Before Daniel Snyder, the team won three Super Bowls with three different quarterbacks. Joe Theismann, Doug Williams, and Brett Rippon. Three different quarterbacks with Joe Gibbs. Like, that's one of the most historic franchises in all of the NFL. Great lineage of coaches, great lineage of players. Like, one of the most well-respected organizations in all of the NFL. And then post-Daniel Snyder, after Daniel Snyder, they are seen as continuously one of the biggest laughing stocks in the NFL. And it's pretty much just stemmed from 1999 onwards. It hasn't been like, oh, it was a few years after he bought the team. No, it was basically right when he bought them. Uh, yeah, no one's really respecting this team anymore. But they've had terrible coaches. They've had terrible players. They had a terrible owner. They've had terrible GMs. Like, good Lord. <laughs> and I get back to what my dad and I were talking about earlier. It's like, this dude's done a lot of bad things in his 10 years of watching the football team. But once you start touching other people's money, that's the thing that's going to get him to force the NFL's hand to force Daniel Snyder to sell the team. Because basically, they were lying about the price, amount of tickets they were selling, so they were keeping money to themselves, not really telling everybody else what it was due to concerts, college football games, and things like that. And uh, yeah, once you've touched everybody else's money and everybody goes, oh wow, you suck, you're screwing over all your business partners, you're screwing all over all the other billionaire owners in the NFL... Uh, yeah, now you're going to get in trouble. Just completely forget about the other bad things he does. We're not going to talk about the cheerleading thing that went on a few years ago. That's fine compared to the money touching that he's got going on right now. The money, the, the, the misinformation, the misinformation given to the other owners. Oh, now we got a game to sell, but man, the Washington commanders and I feel bad for whoever. Well, no, I don't feel bad for whoever buys the Washington commanders next because they're a billionaire. You have to be a billionaire to own a team in the NFL. I, my dad and I were talking about this too. I think. Uh, Mike Brown and uh, Mark Davis are the two poorest owners in the NFL, and they're still not really suffering that much. They're not really suffering that much. Now, they might get made fun of by the likes of David Tepper and Stan Kroenke and stuff like that, the two of the richest owners in the NFL, but I don't think they really care. Maybe they do. Maybe they do care, and they feel like they're really struggling out there, but man, like, of course they're going to make it. <laughs> He's selling the team now after he already ruined the team name Commanders. And now we got to call them the Washington Commanders with these ugly-ass uniforms. Now, I don't mind some parts of the uniforms. The black ones with the stupid W on the forehead. There's some We've talked about the Washington Commanders uniforms before. But, goodness gracious, this team is a laughing stock. But back to what we were talking about with teams that could draft wide receivers, the Houston Texans could go out and draft a wide receiver. I know they extended Brandon Cooks, or at least I think I saw they extended Brandon Cooks. 
but they can still go out and get one if Davis Mills, they feel like he's a guy that they can build on. I think he's got a lot of potential. Young player had like 15 starts post high school after getting drafted in the NFL and was arguably the best rookie last year. I think he had the most 300-yard passing games out of all the rookie quarterbacks. Obviously, Mac Jones is up there as well. Mac Jones and Daniel, and Dave, I would say arguably, Davis Mills last year, given what he was working with as opposed to what Mac Jones was working with, Davis Mills was better, I think. Like, Mac Jones had all new wide receivers. He had the best coach in NFL history. Now, Josh McDaniels, I know, is a very uh, dickheadish person, and I don't like Josh McDaniels, but he had an experienced guy as an offense coordinator. Davis Mills had a wide receiver coach as his head coach that only got the job because no one else wanted the job. So Daniel jo- Davis Mills was kind of shafted in that regard, but still put up really nice numbers. Had no O-line, a thousand different running backs, and apart from Brandon Cooks, really nothing going from on the outside, and still put up good numbers. Now, showed flash, showed some uh, inconsistencies at times, but again, the dude played like 14, 15 games post-high school. Like The dude's going to be very, very raw. I'm excited to see what he does going forward, and if the Texans do want to get a wide receiver here at 13, I wouldn't be too shocked by that. But their defense sucks. So I would expect them to go defense with at least one of these picks. Offense with the other one. Ravens honestly could go out and draft a wide receiver. They drafted Rashad Bateman last year. They drafted Marquise Brown in 2019. Like, they don't... Do they need, need, need to go out and draft a wide receiver? Not necessarily. But their wide receiver core has been on the bottom tier of the NFL for a while now. I'm not saying it's the worst in the NFL. But with all the injuries they've had, the drops, it's been a little bit of a... Not ideal, let's call it that. So I wouldn't be too shot. I don't think they will in the first round anyways. Again, this is an extremely deep wide receiver class, but the Ravens, I think, could be one you draft later. The Eagles are another team. They have two first-round picks. The Saints, the Chargers. So you got, there's, hypothetically speaking, if the Texans and the Ravens decide to go for wide receivers, there is one, two, three, four, five straight picks of teams that could draft wide receivers between the Texans, Ravens, Eagles, Saints, and Chargers. And the Eagles and Saints have two more picks after the Chargers. Now, do all these teams that we just mentioned have bigger needs more than wide receiver? Uh, maybe, depending on who you ask. The Texans, Ravens, and Chargers, definitely. But the Saints and Ra- the Saints and Eagles, definitely wide receiver is one of their highest priorities. And the Eagles are an interesting team because this could be a weird time where they draft three wide receivers in three straight first rounds. Got Jalen Rager in 2020. You got Devontae Smith last year. And then you look at someone like maybe Jamison Williams or Chris Olave or someone like that. And now we're talking about three straight years. The last time I can remember this happening, and it didn't work the last time it happened, was the Detroit Lions back in the early 2000s, where they got Mike Williams, Roy Williams, and Charles, or Carlos Rogers, three straight drafts. I think it was Carlos Rogers. I could be wrong about that. But three straight drafts. And it's not in that order, but three straight drafts. None of them worked out. Roy Williams worked out for a little bit, and then he got shipped off to Dallas and then uh, did really nothing after that. They, six, they had a successful pick with Calvin Johnson, but that was – Really about it for a little bit. But, man, the Eagles, could they go three straight drafts with the wide receiver in the first round? Maybe. And then once you get to the 20s, 21, the Patriots, they just traded for Devontae Parker, but does that rule them out of more wide receivers in the draft? I don't know. The last and first, well, the first and last wide receiver Bill Belichick's ever drafted in the first round while the head coach of the Patriots was Nikhil Harry. Will that scare Bill Belichick off moving on another wide receiver in the first round since Harry hasn't really done anything aside from drop a lot of passes and be an okay run blocker? Would that scare him away? Maybe. I don't know. And then, of course, you got the Packers at 22 who lost Marquez Valdez-Scantling and uh, 
most importantly, Devontae Adams. So they could de- they'll definitely move for wide receiver one of their first two picks. And they haven't drafted wide receiver in the first round since 2002 when they drafted Javon Walker in the 20s, somewhere in the 20s. I think it might have been pick 20. But man, there's a lot of teams that can use wide receivers early. And then, like, the Cardinals could use a wide receiver at 23. So if some of the wide receivers start slipping a little bit, the Cardinals could go after one because Christian Kirk signed that ridiculous deal down in Jacksonville, and A.J. AJ Green didn't do anything in his time there with DeAndre Hopkins out and is on the wrong side of 30 and is still not signed to a contract. So wide receiver is definitely an option for the Cardinals as well. The Cowboys, another team that could use a wide receiver. They just traded Amari Cooper. They extended Michael Gallup, but they traded Amari Cooper to the Cleveland Browns. So, like, could they go after a wide receiver? They didn't necessarily need a wide receiver when they drafted C.D. Lamb and still made him the first-round pick back in 2020. Yeah, 2020. They picked him 17th overall just so the Eagles couldn't get him. Man, the Bills could use one. The Titans could use one. The Bucks could kind of use one. Not really, but kind of. The, the Chiefs could use one, and the Lions could use one. Like, there's so many teams that could use wide receivers. So, if your team does not manage to get one in the first round... Say, hypothetically, the top five guys are all gone by pick 22. Then you're looking at guys like Jahan Dotson, Christian Watson, Sky Moore. I think those are the three guys after that that you're looking at possible first-round draft picks. And I really like Christian Watson's ceiling, so I think he could slip into there because of his size. Six foot four, 200-something pounds, ran an insane 40-yard dash time, very athletic, didn't have to do a whole lot at North Dakota State given the fact that they're a very run-heavy team, run-first team. So he also has experience in the run game as well in regards to blocking, which could definitely boost his draft stock. Jahan Dotson catches everything thrown towards him, even though he's not the biggest receiver out there. And Sky Moore blew up all combine workouts, blew up every single offseason workout, and he is a very, very good re- – he has very nice release. Very, very nice release. So, like, and then after those guys, like Calvin Austin, speed demon. I'm not saying Calvin Austin will be drafted in the first round, but speed demon. Jalen Tolbert, another very fast wide receiver. Romeo Dubs, if we're going later in the draft. Tyquan Thornton, Vilas Jones. Jones. Like fast, fast wide receivers. Charleston Rambo, another very fast wide receiver. David Bell, who's a very good wide receiver, did not perform very well at the combine, but still, nonetheless, he torched Iowa two times. Two straight years. Destroyed the will of the Iowa Hawkeyes secondary. He'll be a very nice receiver because Jarvis Landry... Didn't necessarily test that well at the Combine. I think, I could be wrong about this. So do not quote me 100% on this. Feel free to look this up. I think Darvis Landry has the slowest Combine time for a wide receiver. Now I've got to look this up. Slowest Combine time for a wide receiver. Combine 40 wide receiver. I think it's Darvis Landry. Slade Bolden, he ran, that's... I don't think that's, I think that's just from last year. I'm pretty sure it's, I think it's Jarvis Landry. Jarvis Landry, 40-yard dash time. 40 time. That's the second thing that pops up. Ran a 4.77. Prior to the combat, what is this? Slowest of all the wilds. That might have just been that year, but 4.7740. David Bell did not run a fast 40. What did David Bell run in the 40? 40 time. David Bell ran a 4.65, and that was considered really slow. He ran .22 seconds faster than Jarvis Landry, who's had a very nice career in the NFL. A very, very nice career. Now, he's not on a team right now, but that dude has played very well for both the Dolphins and before he battled some injuries with the Browns. Very nice wide receiver. So, man, 
This draft, this draft class is fun. This is a very fun draft class. The, the, the skill sets, the skill positions on offense. Oh, I didn't even mention Isaiah Weston. Isaiah Weston will definitely be someone that you should look at as a higher wide receiver pick. And we've talked about Isaiah Weston ever since we were at UNI. Because the thing that hurts Isaiah Weston, and I say hurts, and uh, I think it's got to go down to something in regards to his injury history. When you look at Isaiah Weston and what he did at UNI, especially that first year with Will McIlvain as the starting quarterback post-Eli Dunn at UNI, that dude was argue, was the best receiver in the FCS, and he battled injuries that year. Still put up over 1,000 receiving yards. But there are receivers at the FBS level that were at big-time schools that I would argue Isaiah Weston was better for, better than that year. And then the spring season came around, didn't really play a lot during the spring, battled some injuries last season. But, man, Isaiah Weston balled out at the Combine. And I think if you're looking for a receiver that's big, six foot four, long strider. And we've talked about this before. With you and I, they had Dion McShay and Quan Hampton. Both five nine, five foot ten wide receivers hit a lot of the underneath routes. Those are your guys. When you think of fast wide receivers, you usually think of the smaller wide receivers, players like that. But Isaiah Weston is one of the best deep threats, honestly, in this draft that no one's heard of. Or that no one's really talking about. I guess he's starting to build up somewhat of a rapport recently. But man, before the combine and before a couple weeks, the past couple days, no one was really talking about Isaiah Weston. <clears throat> so I'm excited to see where he goes. And if he wants to go to Buffalo, that'd be sick. Spencer Brown would love if they drafted Trevor Penning and Isaiah Weston in this draft, the Buffalo Bills. I would be a okay with that. That'd be awesome. I mean, they drafted a pretty good small school wide receiver, and then <laughs> back in the day, and drafted Andre Reed from cuts down, cuts down Pennsylvania, I think. Smaller school than Northern Iowa, but you know what? It'd be sick. That'd be really, really sick. Oh man, I don't even remember what we were really going in on talking about here. But man, there's no positional rankings today, and I'm very sorry about that because I really wanted to put forth some sort of positional rankings, like all the position rankings, like go through every single position. Go. This is what I think. This is what I think. This is what I think. But we're not going to do that today. But Sorry about that. We'll get that done but prior to the draft. It will be out prior to the draft. The draft's not until April 28th. So we got two weeks until that comes out. And we got two mock drafts to get through before the draft comes out. We got one coming out on Friday. I know we've got one coming out on Friday. I can guarantee that. There's no show on Friday. Remember that. There's no show Friday, but I can guarantee there'll be a mock draft on Friday because I'm already done with it. And to be 100% honest, the top however many picks are not too dissimilar to my last mock draft because I really liked how it turned out in regards to the top few picks. I'm not going over how many few a few picks is, but there's a few picks in there that are like, I think this is really, I think this is how it could go. But then once you start getting later, I mean, the Saints and Eagles trade, that one kind of shook things up a little bit. So we'll see how that goes. There's going to be a trade, one singular trade, one singular trade. That's it. We're not going to go trade happy. I don't really want to go trade happy because the past few years when I've done a mock draft, when it's come to the draft time, the draft day, trades have screwed up my draft. Like, I remember posting my no trades draft on Twitter after the fact. It would have been almost, per- not almost perfect. It would have been halfway or almost halfway. I don't remember what, I could go through my Twitter account and try to find that, but I don't really, I don't really care too much. You guys can go and do that if you really want to. But man, I really want to do that. But we'll have stuff out. We'll have some stuff out here on Friday 
and before the draft. So we got two more mock drafts, and we got a player positional rankings, prospect positional rankings coming out soon. So make sure you stay tuned for that. But before we get into more topics here on this Wednesday edition of the Logan Blackman Show, make sure you are following the Logan Blackman Show on all forms of social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and of course, you're listening to it right now. So make sure you're following on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Twitter is Logan underscore Blackman. Instagram is Blackman Logan. That is my personal account. The show's Instagram account is the Logan Blackman Show. One, the, and one at the beginning and end of that. Facebook and YouTube are the same thing. Just search the Logan Blackman Show. They should pop up. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Watch a few videos. Give them a thumbs up. And make sure you give a thumbs up and a like and a follow on the Facebook page as well. And since, again, you're listening to it right now, make sure you are following and or subscribe to both the Apple Podcasts and Spotify accounts. And if you should, if you feel so obligated to, Please leave a rating out of five stars on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. I would greatly appreciate it. You could give it one star if you really wanted to. I don't really care. If you just rated it, I would greatly appreciate it. Because right now we're on 15 ratings out of five star. We have 15 five-star ratings. So that's positive. We're on 217 episodes right now. We've been on a nice streak. We have recorded, what, this is, episode, this is six episodes in a row, I think. One, two, three, four, five. Yeah, this is okay. This will be episode six. So I think that deserves a thumbs up or a rating out of five stars more than anything. And I would greatly appreciate that. But we were talking about wide receivers and teams that could draft wide receivers. I saw this on ESPN a day yesterday or a couple days ago or something. And it was talking about uh, NFL court tw- NFL draft 2022 quarterback projections, rankings for Kenny Pickett. It's basically who they think could start, who's going to be a starter on the NFL. Okay? And I think there could be... There's, I, there's starters. There's nothing... I. Again, there's a lot of people that are going in on this, the worst quarterback draft class of all time. We've disproven that because there's a lot of really bad draft classes, at least in the past 24 years. There's a lot of really bad draft classes here. It's not all that, oh, this class is terrible. That's really short-sighted. I think these guys are all very talented. Like, in previous draft classes, you didn't have a quarterback that broke every single damn Marino passing record. I think that's a very cool thing. And people want to compare Sam Howell to Baker Mayfield. Sam Howell is more athletic than Baker Mayfield. Sam Howell... The thing that's hurt him this past year is that he lost everybody. Sam Howell lost every single key member of his offense from the season prior. You lost your two starting running backs and two starting wide receivers. So, your numbers are going to go down. His rushing numbers went up immensely, but his rushing number, his passing numbers got a little bit more inconsistent. You look at someone like Matt Corral. Injury concerns, yes. Toughness. 100%. 100%. One of the toughest players in this entire draft. You're looking at the toughest quarterback in this draft, I'd probably argue that's Matt Corral. But that being said, we've talked about this before. With Matt Corral being as tough as he is, that can be a detriment. You look at what happened to Baker Mayfield this past year. Baker Mayfield, tough dude. Really tough dude. Busted up shoulder. Probably should have definitely gone out of the season. Because with him in there, were they a better team? No. And that's a, a sometimes a hurdle you got to get over. The team is better if I'm not in the game. And every single athlete out there is going to be going in and going, oh, I don't want to leave the field. Brett Favre never left the field. He didn't want it because if you leave your spot, that opens the door for someone else to come in. But sometimes for the betterment of the team, you've got to take you know, those outs, take a break a little bit. And Matt Corral won't do that. So if Matt Corral can't stay healthy and he keeps trying to battle through injuries, that can lead to worse injuries and keep getting stacking on top of each other and whatever. But I really like Matt Corral. Tough dude. Desmond Ritter, most experienced quarterback in this draft class. Probably the smartest, if I had to guess. Just from what I can tell, I think Desmond Ritter looks like a very smart individual. And he had some ups and downs throughout his college career. But again, like we talked about on Monday, 
when Cincinnati got better, it all coincided with Desmond Ritter getting better. Their record got better as their quarterback got better. Like Desmond Ritter, when he got more things thrown on top of him, he kept getting better and kept improving. He's got the size that you're looking for. A very athletic quarterback could be in that top-tier quarterback rankings. Um, Malik Willis is another one on here. Malik Willis is the most athletic quarterback in this draft class with the strongest arm. You don't get that a lot. Where you're the most athletic quarterback in the draft class and have the strongest arm. Dude is a freaking tank. Now, the thing with Malik Willis is this dude's very raw. Very raw. And again, they said this at the Combine. We'll say it again. He could need about two years to develop into the quarterback that we all think he's going to be. I'm not saying he would be this guy, but if he can develop, his arm strength and athletic ability resemble that of Michael Vick. I'm not saying that he will become Michael Vick, but it'd be fun. It'd be really fun to see if he could become Michael Vick. And then the last one they got listed on here, Carson Strong. Carson Strong isn't the most athletic quarterback out there. He's the least athletic quarterback out of these six. But Carson Strong is the best deep ball thrower in the draft. And I've talked about this before, where it was, what, Logan, what do you mean Carson Strong is the best deep ball thrower? Didn't you just say Malik Willis has the strongest arm in the draft? Yes. I think Malik Willis can throw the ball farther than Carson Strong. I think Carson Strong is way more consistent with his deep ball than Malik Willis is, if that makes sense. It's the same, kind of the similar conversation we've had where there's a difference between 40-yard dash speed and football speed. Two different things here. Like, Malik Willis can throw the absolute shite out of the football. He could throw the laces. He could throw the stripes off the football. Carson Strong could do it similarly. He could probably just throw the stripes off the football, maybe not the laces. But Carson Strong is, what do you want to call it, methodical when it comes to passing the ball down the field. He's very strategic in how he does it. Like, we t- there was a game last year, or two years ago. I don't remember who Nevada was playing, but they got, it was him and Cole Turner on the left side of the end zone they played two fade routes back-to-back, scored both times. So the touchdown and the two-point conversion. I don't like fade routes in the end zone. That's one of my least favorite plays in all of the NFL, or all of football. Fade routes to the corner of the end zone from, like, the five-yard line or something like that. I cannot stand them. I know that all you got to do is put the ball where a receiver can get it, but I, I, I've just never been a massive fan of it. But Carson Strong can hit that more times than not. Probably the best I've seen at it at the college level. He just can't move. That's his problem. That's a little bit of his issue here. But ESPN does this thing, and it's an article by Alec Albrecht, Jeremy Rosen, and Aaron Schatz. They went through and gave a ranking for each. So Kenny Pickett, here's the order. Kenny Pickett, Corral, Ritter, Willis, Howell, and Strong. And they go through and rank mean projection, bust, uh, adequate starter, upper tier, and elite. So Malik, uh, Kenny Pickett has a 49.7% chance to bust. Matt Corral has a 51%. Desmond Ritter has a 58.9%. Malik Willis has a 59.9%. Sam Howell has a 59.9% as well. And Carson Strong has a 939 93.9% chance to bust. If you've heard me talk about this before when it comes to trying to project players, and I hate when these things pop up, but you see them on Instagram a lot, and sometimes people are just trying to get some things to talk about in the NFL. Like, oh, the draft's coming up. We got We got to come up with some sort of content here. People trying to predict who busts in the NFL draft kind of annoy me. And we brought this up last year when talking about Trevor Lawrence because Trevor Lawrence was seen as a can't-miss prospect. That's another thing I hate. So in the same breath, I hate when people try to predict busts, and I hate when people say this is a can't-miss prospect. They're two in the same thing. 
Bust, you don't know how a player is going to turn out. Josh Allen was a bust before he threw a single ball in the NFL. Now he's a top two quarterback in the NFL. And some people out there are still on that realm that Josh Allen is not a good quarterback because their pre-draft, pre-draft analysis of Josh Allen was that he can't play football. Josh Allen sucks at football. He's not accurate. He's not accurate. He can't play. And Josh Allen is a top two quarterback in the NFL. Whereas someone like Josh Rosen was seen as the most NFL-ready quarterback in the 2020, 2018 NFL draft class. Most NFL-ready. And um, he's easily the worst out of the 2018 draft class. Easily the worst. That's not even close. He got traded after his first year with the Cardinals. He's played on, what, four teams throughout his NFL career so far? I say played. He's been on the roster for four teams. No, five. He was on the the Cardinals, Dolphins, Bucks, Falcons, and 49ers. Or 49ers, Falcons. I don't remember what the order is exactly. Either way, the dude's not on any roster. Or on a consistent roster. But if you talk to 90% of people before that draft, and maybe it's a little less than that, maybe it's like 80% of people, because maybe there's a lot of people that believed in Josh Allen would, would turn into a success in the NFL. I think 90% of people had Josh Rosen as their top two quarterbacks in the draft. I could be wrong in saying that, but I feel like going back to that time, Josh Rosen was seen as the second best quarterback out of that 2018 draft class. Like, to most people, from what I can remember, most people's top five quarterbacks in that draft class were Darnold, Rosen, Allen, Mayfield, and Jackson. From what I can remember, I'm not, again, this is just trying to go off memory. I could be wrong here. I know Mel Kuyper had Josh Allen at number one. I know there's a few people that had Josh Allen at number one, but I, 75% of people had Sam Darnold as the number one quarterback in that draft. And Sam Darnold also has not panned out the next level. Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson were seen as project picks. Lamar Jackson shouldn't even be playing quarterback. He's playing wide receiver. And Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson are easily the two best quarterbacks in this draft class. Lamar's the second ever unanimous MVP in NFL history. And Josh Allen's a top two quarterback in the NFL. Trevor Lawrence is seen as a can't-miss prospect. Can't-miss. Meaning, he can't bust. Anybody that predicts Trevor Lawrence to bust is stupid by the eyes of the people that say he's a can't-miss prospect. But like the same thing of Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson are bust before they play and situations turn out, the situation could change really drastically for a quote-unquote can't-miss prospect. Tim Couch, when he was drafted out of Kentucky, was the dude. Derek Carr, or David Carr, was a baller coming out of Fresno State. Joey Harrington made Oregon cool before Oregon was cool. All these guys did not turn out to be... Ryan Leaf was talked about with Peyton Manning. And all these guys busted. Like, situations do matter. David Carr was never given a chance to breathe in Houston. He got sacked 76 times as a rookie. Tim Couch was the second ever draft pick, or first ever draft pick by the expansion Cleveland Browns. The fans booed him when he got hurt. Joey Harrington played for the Lions. There's not really a lot to say about that one. And Ryan Leaf was just a locker room cancer. Trevor Lawrence played for Urban Meyer. If Urban Meyer was the head coach next year, instead of Doug Peterson, I think we could be talking about Trevor Lawrence possibly busting because of how bad the situation was. No one would remember how bad the situation was and go, oh, that dude was a bust. You look at his numbers. You don't go where the coaching staff was. You don't go 
what the situations were, who he was throwing to, how his line looked, his running backs, his defense. It was like, oh, his numbers sucked, and he was a backup in year three. He was a bust. But he went from a can't-miss prospect to a bust. Like that. Like, I hate that we're predicting that Carson Strong, I'm not saying he's going to be an elite quarterback. I'm not going to say he's the best ever quarterback. 94, pretty much 94% chance to bust at the next level. 94%. That is crazy to me. Now, I'm not saying we should predict all these guys to be in the upper echelons of elite quarterback. Like, if Kenny Pickett has got an 8.1% chance to be elite, according to this. I think if we're talking about who has the best chance to be elite, if everything comes into place, Malik Willis has the best chance to be elite out of these quarterbacks. If, that is a big if, everything falls into place to exactly where it's supposed to be. Because I'm not saying Malik Willis will develop, will like 100% develop into the next Michael Vick. I don't, th- I'm not saying that will happen 100%. But if things develop properly and he's given time, which is what I'm afraid Jordan Love is not getting by most fan standards, he could be elite. He could be. 60% chance to bust, pretty much. I hate that this is a topic of conversation. That we have to predict people to bust. Now, I get it. Again, they're predicting them to be elite as well. But 94% for Carson Strong. Like I remember last year. I wish I still had the screenshot. Because I remember we did this thing called Stay Woke Wednesday. Where it was, we'd go on Instagram and find the dumbest Instagram takes of all time. The dumbest ones. Not all time, but the ones that were recent, popping up that week. There was one that I vividly remember... Because it had Micah Parsons and Jalen Waddle on their predicted bust list. Jalen Waddle set the record, or almost set the record, if he didn't, for most receptions from a rookie wide receiver. Micah Parsons won unanimous defense rookie of the year. They're both considered predicted busts. And I think people do this because you go, oh, I always knew that they would be busts. But you're preying on the dude's downfall. It's not really, it's not great. I will never, and I've said this a thousand times, I said this about Daniel Jones when he got drafted. Because I remember this was a whole thing with Daniel Jones. Everybody was saying Daniel Jones was going to be a massive bust. And Daniel Jones, to to be fair, has not performed the qualities of a number six overall pick. Daniel Jones has not been someone that you go, if I redid that draft, would I draft Daniel Jones at six overall? No. When you look at the echelon of quarterbacks that have been drafted in the top ten of the NFL draft, is Daniel Jones in that conversation of the top guys you look at as top 10 picks? No. But I think Daniel Jones can still develop into something because I think he's got the tools to get there. We'll just see if he can actually put it all together. With Brian Dable coming in as the offensive, the head coach, I think he could develop into something, but that's, again, could. I don't know if he will or not. But when Daniel Jones got drafted everywhere, because Max Kellerman, this is when he was on still, still on first take, was talking about, because he's a big Giants fan, that Daniel Jones was a bust. I will never, ever call someone a bust before they played a single snap in the NFL. I will never do that. Because that's not fair to them. You've got to give them at least two years. At least two years. Because people are already on Zach Wilson's case. That dude sucks. Don't go on Zach Wilson's case. No, not yet. Zach Wilson is too damn talented to be labeled a bust after playing for a team that had two wins the season prior with a new head coach, a new offensive system. We're not going to label him a bust. 
Don't do that. Because these quarterbacks are all drafted in terrible situations, and this is the thing with Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow have screwed up the system for everybody else because of how good they were their rookie years. Now everybody's needing instant gratification from these top 10 draft picks. But man, it's intriguing. It's really intriguing to see these conversations pop up because they pop up every single year without fail. There'll never be a time where this does not pop up, where we're trying to predict who will bust and who will succeed and stuff like that. But, like, when you look at these quarterbacks, not all of them will go in the first round. Not all of them will go in the first round. As of right now, I'm leaning towards three to four of these quarterbacks going in the first round. I'm not going to tell you which ones exactly, but I think you know two of them and Pickett and Willis. I think everybody could predict that one. But there, I think there might be four quarterbacks taken in the first round in this draft. And the other ones, uh, like, okay, I'll spoil it. Carson Strong, I don't think, will get drafted in the first round. Uh, will he go in the second round? I don't know. It's an intriguing question. There's some teams in the second round that could definitely use a quarterback. Maybe the, someone like the Steelers waits till the second round to draft a quarterback. Maybe that happens. Maybe the Saints wait till the second round to draft a quarterback. Maybe the Commanders draft a quarterback in the second round. But I doubt Ron Rivera would draft someone like Carson Strong. <laughs> Maybe the Colts go after a quarterback in the second round. They got Carson, uh, Matt Ryan there. He's not the most mobile quarterback in the world. Maybe they move for someone like Strong who could fit that build right there right after Ryan. Maybe that happens. But I saw a thing pop up on Twitter recently, 20 years of second-round quarterback picks, and it is kind of hard to look at. And I don't remember who originally tweeted this. I saw this on Instagram today. I kind of forgot about it because I was going to take a screenshot of it, and I forgot. And then now I saw it on Instagram. So here's all (laughs) the second-round quarterbacks, 2002 through 2021. Okay, Tavares Jackson, who was at his best, all right. <laughs> at his best, all right. Kellen Clemens, very serviceable backup. Very serviceable backup out of Oregon. Played for the Chargers for a little bit. Played for the Rams and the Jets. So, yeah, he was a very nice backup. Nothing that you would build a team around. Drew Stan, very fun quarterback at Michigan State. Bounced around the league again. Very serviceable backup. Serviceable backup. John Beck, uh, I think he's a quarterback coach. I think he's Zach Wilson's quarterback coach now. Uh, Kevin Cobb <laughs> for the Eagles. The best thing I can remember about Kevin Cobb is that I was at Shields watching the Packers-Eagles game. Or not watching it, but it, it was on in Shields. Kevin Cobb got hurt and Michael Vick came in. And that's where the Michael Vick experience 2.0 started again. He got hurt. Kevin Cobb's career can just be marred by injuries. He played, he, I say played, he signed for the Bills. Never did anything. So yeah, there was that. Uh, 2008, Chad Henney, one of my favorite college quarterbacks of all time. These next three picks are three of my favorite college quarterbacks of all time. Chad Henney was from Michigan. Brian Brom from Louisville. Very fun college team to watch. It's very weird. The Packers used a second-round pick on Brian Brom, and that was Aaron Rodgers' first year as the starter for the Packers. He was drafted in the first round of 2005. He waited three years to play, and then the first year he gets a chance to start, they draft Brian Brom in the second round. That's weird. That's I mean, Hey, the Packers and drafting quarterbacks with Aaron Rodgers. It just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Uh, in 2009, Pat White. Awesome college quarterback at West Virginia. Everybody my age loved watching Pat White. Uh, 2010, Jimmy Clausen, one of the more overrated quarterbacks. I've Like at Notre Dame, the thing that I remember him most was that he got a black eye. He got punched in the face by someone at a bar, and he had to wear a, a tinted visor because his eye got beat up so bad. And Notre Dame was just an average team. They had Charlie Weiss as their head coach, I believe, at the time. And they were just average. I don't remember seeing anything Jimmy Clausen did. It was like, oh, yeah, that guy's awesome. But every single draft analyst at the time, analyst at the time, like Mel Kuyper said, if Jimmy Clausen's not a success in the NFL, he'll retire. Now, Jimmy Clausen, if you did not know, clearly was not a success in the NFL. 
clearly. And Mel Kiber's still doing his thing. Like, Jimmy Clausen fell in the second round mostly for character concerns, if I remember correctly, because, I mean, getting punched in the eye at a bar is not really necessarily something that everybody goes, that's who I want my franchise quarterback to be. Didn't work out. They drafted Cam Newton a year later. <laughs> uh, next one, Colin Kaepernick. <coughs> Jeez. I have no idea what that was. But Kaepernick, at times, was really fun to watch. The first year he was the actual starter, like, when Alex Smith got hurt, Kaepernick, I think, made his first start against the Bears, if I'm not mistaken. Played well, and I thought Alex Smith, who just led the team to a 13-3 record the previous season, kind of got screwed out of the starting job a little bit. I really like Alex Smith, so I, that's just coming from a place of me liking Alex Smith. But, hey, they got all the way to the Super Bowl, then after that, it was kind of just teetering on mediocrity and then just went down and got benched for Blaine Gabbert, and now he's out of the NFL trying to make a way back. We'll see if he actually does end up coming back. He's been working out with Tyler Lockett. Uh, Chad Johnson. I saw him with Michael Vick today. So we'll see if he actually does make a comeback. But yeah, all, all right when he played the NFL. He was really good for one year or half a season pretty much because he wasn't the full-time start of the year they went to the Super Bowl. I think he started like seven games or something. But set a record for the playoffs for rushing yards against the Packers, I think, for a quarterback. He had like, I don't remember the exact number. But after that, just kind of mediocre after that. And now he's out of the NFL. Number 2011, same draft, Andy Dalton. Uh, probably the best quarterback out of these quarterbacks that's available, which is not really say, uh, no, no, there's someone better on here. But Andy Dalton, fine quarterback, the Red Rocket at TCU. They drafted A.J. Green in the first round. They had a fun time together when A.J. Green was healthy, but yeah, just a fine quarterback, nothing special. Brock Osweiler in 2012 signed the weirdest contract ever with the Texans and then did nothing in the Texans basically paid the Browns to take him off their hands and didn't do anything with the Browns. Supposed to be the heir apparent to Peyton Manning, did absolutely nothing. 2013, Geno Smith, uh, the worst quarterback draft class of all time. EJ Manuel is the only quarterback draft in the first round that year. Geno Smith put really nice numbers at West Virginia. But again, kind of character concerns. Saw him drop to the second round. Now he's a backup on Seattle. He's been there for a little bit now. Also ended Eli Manning's start streak. So that, that was interesting for one game. And then Eli Manning came back the very next one. And then we got 2014, the two best quarterbacks on this list, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo and Derek Carr. Derek Carr would have been a first-round draft pick if, Derek, if David Carr turned out to be something. I think that's what a lot of people are scared of when they drafted Derek Carr. Derek Carr is the best quarterback on this list. I like Jimmy Garoppolo, but his shoulder's best up right now. He's nothing that special. He's a nice, solid quarterback, but nothing special. Derek Carr is sadly the worst quarterback in his division, but that's not saying a whole lot because that division is freaking stacked. Mahomes, Wilson, and Herbert, and Derek Carr. I feel bad for him. 2016, Christian Hackenberg. That was seen as a weird pick at the time. <laughs> like, overdrafting Christian Hackenberg. Another really weirdly highly rated college quarterback. Didn't really understand the hyper on Christian Hackenberg that much. 2017, Deshaun Kaiser. Probably the worst quarterback out of this because he's the only one on this list that was the starter when his team went 0-16. Drew Stanton, I think, was on the 2008 lines when they went 0-16. But I, he wasn't the main starter. So, Deshaun Kaiser started every single game the Browns 0-16 season. Like, that dude was bad. And it made it worse that the Browns traded out of the spot that was used to select their current quarterback, Deshaun Watson. So, they didn't need to pay all these draft picks to get Deshaun Watson if you just drafted him where you should have instead of trading all your picks back, trading back multiple times and then selecting Deshaun Kaiser in the second round. That doesn't get talked about as enough. That does not get talked about enough. Because Deshaun Watson is now playing for the Cleveland Browns. Like, if they just drafted him in 20, 2017, they wouldn't be in this situation right now. So, like, I, <laughs> I don't know. Like, Deshaun Kaiser, bad. 
Very bad <laughs> when he played for the Browns. 2019, Drew Locke. I mean, he's more famous for rapping Jeezy than anything. I don't really know what else to say about Drew Locke. And in 2020, Jalen Hurts, nice quarterback. The only, right now, one of two starters on this list, because Jimmy Garoppolo's, I don't think he's technically the starter anymore because they've basically said we're starting with Trey Lance. But he's the starter right now. And then 2021, Kyle Trask, last pick of the second round in 2021. I like Kyle Trask. I want to see what he does whenever Tom Brady does end up retiring. If he does get the chance to start for Tampa, I want to see. I, I think he could be really good. I think he'd be not really good, but I think he could be good as the starting quarterback for Tampa. But not all of those quarterbacks we mentioned get drafted in the first round. But we could see some history possibly made with one of these quarterbacks back to the 2022 draft if we see these quarterbacks go to specific spots. Like there's some teams. So again, out of the first round, teams that could use a quarterback or could draft a quarterback: the Lions, the Panthers, the Falcons, the Seahawks, the Saints, the Steelers, the Titans. And the Lions again with the later pick. All could probably maybe draft a quarterback and find an excuse to draft a quarterback. But if you look at some of these teams that have drafted one of those te- these teams I've mentioned. So let's scroll down here. The Steelers' last first round pick of a quarterback was 2004. Okay? It's been a long time. The Titans, 2015, they drafted Marcus Mariota. They just keep scrolling down this list. The Detroit Lions, 2009. Atlanta Falcons, 2008. New Orleans Saints, 1971. Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I guess Jameis Winston, but I kind of forgot about that. <laughs> but it's been a while for some of these teams that have drafted quarterback in the first round. The Saints have drafted one quarterback in the first round their entire history and have been linked with a quarterback pretty much every single draft the past five years, something like that, five, six years. It feels like they've been linked with some quarterback in some capacity and then never ended up drafting one. Sometimes that happens. But I found a quiz on Sporkle. I don't know if we've done this before. If we have, I apologize. You can skip this part. I don't care. But it's every team's... Can you name the last QB draft of the first round by each NFL team? We have six minutes to do this. I'm going to try and get it in under a minute. Okay? Six minutes. I'll be truthful. So, okay. Three, two, one, go. Jackson. And it's in alphabetical... Jeez, I can't type. Burrow. Uh, Browns Mayfield. Field. Roethlisberger. Texans, Watson, Colts, Luck, Jaguars, uh, Lawrence, Titans, Mariota, Bills, Allen, Dolphins, Tua, Tagovailoa. Come on, type. Uh, I'm not going to get it. Patriots, uh, Jones, Jets, Wilson. Type Wilson. Ugh, crap, we're not going to get it under a minute. Broncos, 2016, Lynch, Chiefs, Mahomes, Raiders, oh, Russell, Chargers, Herbert, uh, Bears, uh, Fields, uh, Lions, Stafford, Packers, no, Love, (laughs) Jordan Love, Vikings, Bridgewater, Falcons, Ryan, okay, we got, it's a minute now, we got 22 out of 32, Panthers, Newton, okay, we can just slow down now, there's really no need to, Manning for the last one, Tampa, Winston, this is just depressing now, Aikman for the Cowboys back in 89. Eagles, 2016. Carson Wentz, I just watched that draft today. Commanders, Dwayne Haskins. Rest in peace, Dwayne Haskins. Cardinals, Kyler Murray. Rams, Goff. 49ers, Lance, and then Seahawks. You know, it's Rick Myrer. I don't know how to spell Myrer. My, Myrer. There we go. 
So yeah, we got it in four. We got it in two minutes and thirty-four seconds. You know you can get paid for getting perfect scores, right? Give Trivia Hunt a try. No, I'm good. I don't trust this website at all. I'm not gonna do that. But those are your last quarterbacks to get drafted by every team in the first round. But yeah, do do I what teams do I think could change that? And in regards to history, I think the Saints are definitely a team that could look at a quarterback in this draft. They just traded for two first round draft picks. They're either gonna just double up on positions to try and make their team better, like wide receiver and tackle, two positions they desperately need, or try to trade up for a quarterback. Two very likely outcomes for the New Orleans Saints in this draft. And I'm very intrigued to see where how all that goes. I'm very intrigued to see how all that goes. And uh is that pretty much it? I don't really have a lot to talk about today. It was kind of a fun. I had fun today. I did want to try. This is okay. This is what I wanted to do before the quiz thing came into effect. I wanted to do go through every draft since 1997 and say who the worst and best quarterbacks each team drafted. But sometimes you're just nitpicking, and some of these quarterbacks never even played a snap for their team, and they were drafting like the seventh round. Are they really the worst quarterback? I mean, technically speaking, they're probably the worst quarterback their team drafted. So that's kind of sad, but I don't. I felt bad. Like, do I really want to put Reed Sorensen down as the worst quarterback in Chargers history? No. So like, he didn't do anything. It's not his fault. He was drafted late. Never got a chance. Philip Rivers was there at the time. Like, he's not gonna play. Uh, so it was obviously Ryan Lee. But not every team had a terrible quarterback. There's some interesting ones though, like the Saints. They never draft quarter. As we said, the best quarterback they have drafted, <coughs> honestly. Since 1997 was Mark Bolger and 2000. Now, I could be missing someone, completely missing somebody. But like, you look at their current quarterbacks. None of them were drafted by the Saints. Winston was drafted by the Bucks. Taysom Hill wasn't drafted, and he played for the Packers to start off. Andy Dalton was drafted by the Bengals. We already talked about that. Like, they don't have a lot of wide history of drafting. Aaron Brooks, the only thing he was famous for is he was cousin Michael Vick. And he wasn't even drafted by the Saints. No, I think he was drafted by the Packers. Like, there's weird ones like that, but there's some fun worst ones, like Kyle Bowler for the Ravens, drafted in the first round. That was fun. The Browns obviously had a few of them. Sean Kaiser, Johnny Manziel, Brandon Weed. I mean, he drafted a 28-year-old quarterback in the first round. Interesting pick. Uh, Jordan Love, sadly, for the Packers, because, again, they haven't really drafted a lot of quarterbacks in the first round, or just drafted Brian Brian Braum, I guess, could be mentioned up there, because that one didn't make a lot of sense. Rosen for the Cardinals. Because they don't draft a lot of quarterbacks. The Niners, Giovanni Carmazzi, because he passed on Tom Brady. And there's some teams like the best quarterbacks that you could have an argument with. Trevor Lawrence and J- David Garrard for the Jaguars. Chad Pennington for the Jets. Do you want to have him as the greatest ever Jets draft pick of some of the past 24 years? I don't know. The Chargers have drafted some good ones. Drew Brees, Phillip Rivers, and Justin Herbert. So you have a conversation about that one as well. The Vikings haven't really drafted a lot of really talented, I mean, really good quarterbacks. Dante Culpepper is probably the best one they've drafted. Probably. I mean, Teddy Bridgewater will get a lot of sentimental value with a lot of Vikings fans, but is he really someone that you go, yeah, this guy was the best of the best of the best of the best quarterbacks the Vikings have drafted the past 20 years? I don't think so. I don't really think so. But uh, with that being said, I think I'm just going to end the show here. I just keep it a little shorter today. I enjoyed today's episode. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Keep it under an hour. Nice, calm episode today. Talked about some things that bother me when the guards the NFL dress them, some positional rankings, some teams that could draft these positions and stuff like that. I think it was a fun one. I think it was a fun one. I'm not going to sit here and say it's the greatest episode of all time, but it's not far off. It's not, no, it's not It's not the greatest episode of all time, but we will have Mock Draft 4.0 on Friday. There's no show on Friday. Again, no show Friday, but Mock Draft 4.0 Friday. We'll have prospect rankings coming for you right before the draft. I don't know exactly when, but they'll be out before the draft. Probably that Monday before the draft. Uh, what day is that? 
the 25th, probably. We'll see. The draft's on the 28th. We got time before then, so we'll think. We'll see what, what all we can do with that. But with that being said, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If not, I sincerely apologize. Make sure, again, you're following The Logan Blackman Show on all forms of social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and, of course, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And if you don't remember what they were earlier, Twitter account is Logan underscore Blackman. Instagram is Blackman Logan. The show's Instagram account is The Logan Blackman Show 1. Facebook and YouTube are the same thing. Just search Logan Blackman Show. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Watch a few videos. Give them a thumbs up as well. Can't dislike them, so screw you. <laughs> and Facebook, give that a thumbs up as well. Make sure you're following to that. And of course, you're listening to it right now. Make sure you're following and or subscribe to both the Apple Podcasts and Spotify accounts. Leave a rating out of five stars. I would greatly appreciate it. Let us know what you think about an individual episode, what you think about me, the show in general, whatever. Just make sure to leave a rating out of five stars. It would just mean a lot to me. Just get us to 20 ratings on Apple Podcasts. I would greatly appreciate it. You can do it on Spotify as well if you really want to. But with that being said, I hope you enjoyed the show again. If not, I apologize. We'll try to be better next time. We'll have a little break. And we will see you hopefully again on Monday. No promises, but we'll try. With that being said, I'll see you all later. Have a good weekend. Have a good rest of your week. And I'll see you all later. Peace.